0: Hello, hello, and thank you for tuning in to Tim and Friends, my podcast dedicated to learning from my friends. I believe that everyone, including my friends, have amazing stories to tell, and in those stories are lessons of failure and success, pride and regret, and what I'd like to do is distill those lessons down into ways that can transfer to your life, and at the very least, I hope you find the stories interesting. dive into today's episode I want to make a small announcement about this show. When I started planning for the show I had the intent of exploring learning through the lens of fatherhood and I chose fatherhood because it was immediately accessible to me and also just something that I'm really interested in and it was just about the time that I started recording my first episode with Spencer that I started to think about season two and that I would do some explorations of learning through the lens of motherhood but it was pretty soon after that that i realized it was a little silly to wait some arbitrary amount of time to bring my first woman guest on the show so i'm happy to announce that this season is going to be repurposed for learning through the lens of parenthood and i'm going to kick that off right now in today's conversation i speak with my friend Erin, who has dedicated her professional life to social impact we discuss how she discovered this passion and how she was able to parlay her educational training into this passion. As someone who's worked on women's rights, I was really excited to talk to her about how to raise feminist boys. And my favorite nugget from the conversation was Erin's thoughts on work-life balance, that aligning oneself with a broader mission and a group of people for that mission means that you are one of a whole army of people trying to move the ball forward. And in that context, we can allow ourselves to take care of ourselves. We discussed these topics and so much more. Please enjoy my conversation with Aaron Kelly. I'm here with my very good friend, Aaron Kelly. Thanks for being on today.
1: Hi, Tim. Good morning from the West Coast.
0: Good morning from the East Coast. I have always appreciated our friendship. Um, definitely have grown more fond of it over the years, particularly as we're going through this parenthood thing together. Um, yep. Our boys are about the same age. Uh, we just had our Second child, you're about to have your second. There's one meaningful difference. Um, you're a mom, I'm a dad. Yep. And uh, so, with everything going on this year, this crazy, crazy 2020, um, how are you managing through all of this? Not just working from home, having a toddler, but um, having to welcome another kid into this world?
1: Yeah. Um, that's a great question. I don't think I fully processed it. I think I probably need a high paid therapist to help me sort out what I'm going through. I honestly, I honestly think it's like one step in front of one foot in front of the other and don't think too much about what's happening except to think about what's in front of me. Um, How am I doing it is with the amazing people at La Esquilita, which is my son's daycare They are kind, compassionate, hardworking people that are doing everything they can to keep the daycare center open. Even with positive COVID cases, uh, they've had about three or four separate, um, sort of mini outbreaks where teachers and support staff and kids have tested positive and they've had to shut it down. Um, but they do everything that they can to get the place back open so that they can continue to serve the community, which is absolutely amazing. They don't view it as a business. I think they view it as a, a, a calling for them, not just to take care of other people's kids, but to help mold and grow kids into the amazing human beings that they are. And they know that socialization and um, consistency is so important for them um how have I done it when the daycare is closed and we have him home for three weeks and my husband is teaching on his computer because he's a teacher and I am in nine hours of meetings a day on my computer is just a lot of classic mom guilt a lot of feeling like I'm not working well and I'm not momming well and he's eating too many cookies and he's watching too many episodes of Bubble Guppies but i it's the best we can do and i have to give myself a little bit of grace because we're all in it together and we're i'm pretty fortunate so yeah that's i think that's primarily how i'm feeling i mean throw deciding to have another kid into this chaos and somebody might think that i'm crazy but life goes on right and you know you you don't know how long this is going to last and yeah just have to make the best decisions for you and your family but it's hard like you probably know as well like we can't travel for the holidays we don't know when our family is going to meet the kid we don't know i don't know when i'm going to go and get to see my nephew who's due in three weeks in san francisco like it's just it's it's it adds more complications to it but hopefully 10 years from now it'll all be a blip on the radar and i'll be proud of the decisions we made
0: Fingers crossed that we can we could say that, and hopefully we don't have to wait ten years to, to to look back on it.
1: I think we'll just all be so far away that we'll forget about what happened. I, I'm hoping this is done in like a year.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and definitely huge shout out to the daycares out there that are really just going above and beyond, uh, making sure that our kids are learning in a in a safe way. Um, but totally agree that they it's not just a business for a lot of these daycares. It's um, they understand the importance. Um, of socialization and, and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, I've always admired you uh, from afar, and when we used to live in, in the same town, um, you've dedicated your whole life, your professional life, to social impact. Um, and before we dive into kind of the work that you've done and how that might have influenced you as a person and how you've grown from it, maybe we could just start with defining what social impact means to you, and we can go from there.
1: Oh, that's a really good question. I think it's any business, nonprofit, B Corp kind of organization that prioritizes social well being and social progress as a key tenant of what they do. So, a business like where I work now at Starbucks coffee company can have a social impact division not only in the money that they give as part of their philanthropic giving but in the way that they treat their employees it's not just how much money you give it's how you treat people along the way it's about good supply chains it's about treating your coffee farmers right um for a nonprofit, social impact is typically the mission it's how do we make the biggest impact what are we focused on um and social impact typically also includes things like economic justice and racial justice and equity and fairness and inclusion. Um, There are, of course, nonprofit entities out there that don't forward those values and still get a nice little tax cut. Uh, But I think social impact is primarily any of these entities that prioritize the social well-being of people or animals. Shout out to Humane Society.
0: Word. Definitely just super grateful that these entities do exist um sadly there aren't like a lack of problems that we can be addressing Mm -mm. um but because of folks like you who have dedicated their their i think if i if i had my notes correct like your entire professional career since we graduated from bu together to social impact and and did you know that you always wanted to get into this or like what inspired you to kind of get into it and and ultimately stick with it because we're several years out of school now and you're, you're still going strong.
1: Yeah. Uh, even though I do social impact, uh, there are times when I feel like, am I doing enough social impact? Like I felt more impactful when I started my career and was working with nonprofits and grassroots advocates across the US. Now I'm working for a big company like is it's a different type of social mm-hmm. impact. Am I doing everything that I actually can, especially in this new world with crazy, you know, riots going on racial equity and injustice with the pandemic and global health inequities like am i at the right place for me am i making the biggest impact i can um but that is not your question you asked did i always know if this is what i wanted to do i i've always been really passionate about i don't want to say helping others but passionate about the issue of equity um, I think from a very young age, I was aware of how fortunate I was. And now we know the word for that. It's privilege. I didn't know that at the time. It wasn't the hot topic. But I just felt like a keen unfairness in the world. And I felt like like we weren't wealthy growing up. But we, ha- we never wanted for anything. We went on vacations. I got the clothes that I wanted for the new school year. I got to go to BU, which as my dad describes, is like buying a Lexus and driving it off the cliff every year. Um, so I, you know, I never struggled, um, financially, which means I always had good healthcare. It means I had access to good education. We grew up in the suburbs of Washington DC with an excellent public school system. So I think I had a, a keen sense of, um, just how lucky I was and that most of it was luck. Yeah. I work hard and I study, but like, do I truly work so hard that I deserve the salary that I get? Do I work harder than somebody who makes half my salary? I would say no. Um, and I think growing up in DC helped form my approach to how I could make a difference because whether you love or hate politics and I'm a political junkie, I'm like staring at CNN on the background, just waiting for news, uh, to break, which probably is not something I should admit, but I just, you know, can't take the girl out of DC. Um, I realized quickly that Policy matters. Like you might not like the game of politics. You might not like politicians. You don't have to, you don't have to donate. But policy shapes everything that we touch from the roads that we drive on, to the schools that we go to, to the public programs that we do or don't have access to, to my maternity leave and yours with the Family Medical Leave Act. Um, Policy matters. And policy can make a big difference in somebody's life or it can fall flat and not make a measurable difference. So instead of just saying, like, oh, I want to sh- I wa- I make a difference by volunteering, which I think is an absolutely important thing to do, I wanted to go to the direction of how do I get involved in those policy decisions and help shape policy in a meaningful way. So... Um, after college, you know, my degree was in magazine journalism, which was like the dumbest decision when we graduated college in 2007 because magazines were literally on the decline and I was like, I've always loved magazines. I think I want to try to write for one. I know it's a dying industry, but I loved like the the women's magazines frankly that focused on important issues. So your Jane magazines Glamour had some like really good long form articles about serious issues affecting women around the world, like gender based violence, like I wanted to focus on that side of things. Um, And then I realized that magazines were a dying industry, and then I also realized that there were other careers that I didn't even know about where I could use my communication skills to advance a particular issue. So. That's how I ended up first working for a healthcare nonprofit, um, which helped pass the Affordable Care Act in two thousand and nine. Very exciting. still the law of the land, at least for a few more months. Um, and then, and then after that, transitioning to the global development space, focused on the issue of global women's rights, um, because I had read Nicholas Kristoff's Half the Sky, like so many people have, and just kind of my eyes. I knew. As a woman, that things were different for me, but I never really understood at a global scale how much inequality there was and how girls are deprioritized all over the world. They don't even go to school because they're not a priority and their brothers are. Um, so that's kind of where I dived into the, dove into the um, gender equality space. And then from there have gone more private sector, focused at a communications agency, but my clients were at the Gates Foundation working with their gender equality team. So even though I was technically working for the man, um, all of my clients and all of the work that I was doing on a daily basis was really focused on, how do I help this, the world's largest foundation and their grantees talk about the work and influence policymakers to advance gender equality in countries around the world. I think I somewhat answered your question and maybe dodged a few.
0: There's just so much there to dive into. Um, I took a good amount of notes that I hope that we can come back to, but maybe we can kind of just go from some of the last things you're talking about. A lot of your focus has been on gender equality, uh, especially on the international front. Yep. You you have a son. You're about to welcome another boy into this world. How, how are you thinking about Raising feminist boys because that's something that I think about a lot. Um, you know, yeah, growing up um, as, as a as a male, it kind of took a while, I guess, um, for me to to see the light, I suppose, and and to to, to actually call myself a feminist, um, and, and I do. Um, but you know, how do I instill that in my son from an earlier age than when I got started? And so, like, I I, I would personally benefit hearing how you're thinking about that for your two boys
1: so if i think about my own upbringing like we never discussed the word feminism in my household interestingly so my parents both worked for the federal government they were both federal agents my mom had a corner office and my dad was in a cubicle so she was higher up than him so like nobody ever told me that like women too can be in positions of power and should but i like saw modeled women in positions of power my mom was also the third ever federal female agent so wow. i heard stories growing up yeah she'll tell you all about it uh i heard stories growing up about
0: so I, I wish i i wish i knew this at your wedding because then i would like <laughs> I, I probably hung out with her a lot more
1: well and tim she works in financial crimes enforcement so she works on like the nerdy stuff Amazing. so yeah you guys should de- you should probably talk to her um, so, you know, I saw modeled early on and I heard stories early on of discrimination and sexism in the workplace. And it was never quite called that, but I, I saw it and I heard it. So I think that helped kind of establish me early on as a radical. Um, I didn't, I never, like, I'd never wanted to study gender studies at BU. Like I, I never called myself a feminist until I was like 24 years old. And I started to learn about what feminism actually was was and not the negative connotations of bra burning. Although like we should all burn our bras. Let's be real. I don't know why that has a stigma. Um, but I I called myself a feminist once. And my now husband, then boyfriend was like, you're not a feminist. And I was like working for a global gender equality organization, like working on issues like gender based violence and, you know, like land rights as a form of violence for or lack of land rights as a form of violence, like really like gender focused seen as radical, but like good stuff. And I was like, how am I not a feminist? And he was like, you know, said everything that I said when I was 18 years old, like you you shave your legs, like you like all these like very um, superficial views of what, what a feminist is. Um, and then shortly after he started to call himself a feminist too. Um, I think the question about like feminist boys, you know, what's funny is when I found out that I was having a boy, I was disappointed because I wanted to have a girl because I wanted to raise an army of little feminists. How would I think that as a feminist and an advocate for gender equality that I'm so narrow-minded that a girl equals a feminist and a boy is not? Like I've I've had a problem with that in my own life and then I'm literally applying it to like my unborn child. So it was like a moment of like checking my assumptions and reframing how I think about things. Um. I think it's, number one, It's it's. I think it's great for you that you have a boy and a girl because the number one thing that Benedict will pick up is A, how you and Winnie interact and treat each other, but Benedict will also pick up if there are any differences between how you treat him and how you treat your daughter, and... It's just, it is modeled behavior that kids pick up without even realizing it. And they still get up like a sponge and we don't realize it either. I have two boys. So like it's equal. Uh, I will have two boys. So it's like equal treatment there. Like I can't distinguish or like show that like they both have the same value because they're the same gender. So I think it's, it's really all about constantly reminding them that they are not special because they are a boy. They are not different because they're a boy. They're not less than because they're a boy they were just born boys and that literally has no impact on how good or a bad of a person they are it's the decisions that they make regardless of sex that shapes them into the person they are and simultaneously it's reminding them about the very real factors that are out there in the world because your your life is not determined just by your own choices. Your life is shaped by a number of things from what's offered to you economically, to your education, to how other people treat you. And so teaching them to be keenly aware of how people treat them and the advantages they may receive because they are boys. And I think... You know, at first I was like, I want my kid to be the smartest one in the room. I want him to be president. And then I was like, you know what? I don't want my kid to be president. I want my kid to be the speechwriter for the first black woman president. Like, I don't want to teach my boy that he needs to be front and center. I don't want to teach him that he's the smartest person in the room. I want to teach him that he has value in supporting other people that don't look like him. And that can be a really important job. So that's sort of, I don't know how I'm going to do that. I don't know if I'm succeeding at doing that. I think, you know, they're still so young, we have a lot of time to really think about like, you know, is it is it in the sports we get them into or the music classes or the languages that we teach them? Like, how do we do that in practice? I have no idea. But uh, that's sort of how I've been approaching it.
0: Definitely agree with the mindset that there's, there's moments that kind of check our own assumptions and despite me calling myself a feminist, the the moment that I held my daughter for the first time, I realized what a crappy dad I have been to my son sometimes because I knew right from the moment that I picked her up Aww. that I was treating him differently than the way that I was going to teach, uh, that I was going to treat her. Interesting. Like, you know, Climb up that those stairs, and like he wasn't even two at the time, or like he just turned two, and (laughs) and and so you know there are these moments, and and I think you know we we're gonna have to just give ourselves some credit or cut ourselves some slack because we're gonna learn how to do this. But you know I think I I mean I know that you have only positive intent, and 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 my wife and I are are gonna do the best that we can to raise him to be respectful and that sort of thing. Um,
1: Yeah,
0: but definitely gonna be trial and error.
1: Yeah. And I think what makes you a good parent is, you know, you don't have the answers and you check yourself and you say like, that actually, that wasn't good. Why did I think to do that? What can I do differently next time? Like, it's the people that think that they're infallible and just like charge forward without questioning their decisions that I think do harm in the long term it's good to check yourself even if it feels like how did i fuck that up yeah. can i say fuck
0: yeah you know, you say whatever you want here
1: <laughs> this is not a family show okay
0: good. i want to go back to something that you'd mentioned that you were working um just seeing the inequality and especially internationally and just kind of from like an outside perspective i imagine that you've seen some pretty bad things you know as, as bad as the inequality could be in america i, I just you know outside perspective imagine it's worse overseas yeah and yep yep did did that ever discourage you or kind of dishearten you from like i don't want to bring a, my yeah. kids into this world i don't i certainly don't want to bring a female yeah. into this world um yeah. but just if you could speak to that a little bit
1: that's a great question I feel the opposite. So I never wanted kids. I never saw myself getting married. I never saw myself as a mom. I never I was never one of those people that in high school was like, obviously not now, but like, I can't wait to have kids. I was like, you know, I don't think that's the life for me. I don't think I want kids. I don't think I'd be good at it. Um, I don't think it makes sense to have kids. There were no philosophical. It wasn't like I don't want to contribute more, you know, people to this planet. It was more just like it's not something that I want. Um, I'm not going to say that working on these issues made me want kids, but as my life, you know, as I went from a 16 year old with lots of strong opinions to a 34 year old who was married and in a loving relationship and financially stable, my perspective on having kids changed. And I think along the way, learning about all of the terrible things that happen out there terrified me. However, the world needs good humans now. In 10 years in 30 years in 80 years in 200 years and not to say like it is my duty to have good humans like i could raise two boys who both go into a sector that has nothing to do with giving back nothing to do with social impact you know there's no like predetermined destiny for what these kids will do and the impact that they will make on the world but you know i thought about all of the frankly all of the people out there who's values are I think pretty harmful and I thought about them having kids and not to say that I wanted to have kids too. you
0: you wanted to counterweight
1: (laughs) yeah I wanted to cross out their vote um in the swing state but I thought why am I not having kids like I have I I don't think my bloodline needs to continue but I think like raising some good humans and like helping get them into the world and hopefully have, you know, teaching them that they can make an impact and letting them decide what that impact looks like. It wasn't why I decided to have kids, but it was a helpful framing for me when I was thinking about, like, is this something that we want? Um, Of course, there are a million horrible things happening out there, from child marriage to female genital mutilation to economic injustice, women being denied loans to farms so that they can't maintain their livelihood, women not being able to own property so when their husband dies, they are literally left with nothing, Um, and these are all horrifying things, but I am maybe a delusional optimist in that the more horrifying things I hear, I don't become disheartened, I don't become disillusioned, I don't become like a fatalist that thinks like, these things are going to happen, there's nothing I can do, I, I feel more resolved to do something to do my part to help combat those things. Because you know, there's somebody out there there's that's doing terrible things to move those bad things forward. So I think that's just how I approach it is like, not a fatalist attitude, but more of a delusional optimist that like, we can make a difference, and we have to make a difference. And part of that is how we raise our children to make a footprint on the world 30 years from now.
0: I think it's really important that we have these delusional optimists, as you say. Um, we need yeah. some of them. Crazy. To push forward.
1: I'm nuts. <laughs> yes, it's true.
0: And and you mentioned you, you want to raise your boys to do good in the world. They don't necessarily need to go into social impact. But at the same time, you are in social impact, working on things that are going to make a world a better place. So how do you balance kind of like your family responsibilities and raising those good boys and yeah um, taking care of yourself versus you know having a 10x or 100x uh, impact working for a big corporation or working for like a really smart powerful ngo
1: i'm a firm believer in work-life balance i'm not always good at it but i have no problem saying at 5 p.m i gotta go mom for two hours and shutting my computer and going to be a mom and being very present Um, I don't feel like I'm taking away from my work when I'm spending time with my family. I don't feel like I'm taking away from my work when I'm going out to have a real lunch for the first time in like three months. Um, I think it's necessary. Like I'm I'm glad that self-care is a thing now and that we can talk about it and acknowledge like sometimes you need to take a break for yourself. It might be like having a cup of tea. It might be staring at Instagram. It might be going to get a massage. But I firmly believe in doing that, like stepping away from work, stepping away from the family, taking care of myself, my mental health, whatever that looks like. And I think I am not a lone social justice or social impact warrior. I am part of a team at work. I'm part of a radically feminist book club that uh, all is like doing their part to donate to, you know, the Jamie Harrisons and um, the Joe Biden campaigns and... I'm part of a feminist collective of friends that I've met over the years who either work in social impact or not I am part of a broader movement um, e- whether it's gender equality, whether it's um, economic and social justice I am not alone I can't do everything alone and if I take a break for an hour I'm not reducing the impact of our movement by you know one one millionth I am, I am only as strong as the people that I surround myself and the movement that I'm a part of and if I need to take time if I have to take time um, if I want to step away and read like a book is a guilty pleasure then there are hundreds of thousands if not millions of people who are still fighting so I try to remember that that while no one person can make a massive difference on their own taking a step away as one person is not going to collapse a movement and that we all need that time to recharge. And frankly, sometimes that means getting the hell away from my family. Like It means like going on a walk with the dog on the lake and like listening to a crappy podcast, you know. You can
0: listen to this crappy podcast too now.
1: Not crappy, no, this is very high quality, I'm on it. Uh, so yeah, I think, it, and, it's, and it's like okay to say that, right? Like it is okay to say like, I love my family, I love my job. Sometimes I gotta get the hell away from everything and that's okay because we're all human and if you're if you don't take those breaks then you will probably go insane especially in a global pandemic where we're all stuck with each other all the time
0: yeah i think that's such a great perspective that you're part of a broader mission a broader organization and that while your contribution is very important uh, stepping away for a few hours stepping away for a few weeks probably even um, yeah totally uh, you got to do also you got to take care of yourself as well yep shifting gears totally taking a left turn here um i would like to know what is one product as a parent that you could not live with right now
1: god you want to go first
0: we have a two month old right now yeah um, and you remember that and you're uh, yeah you're you're about to to experience that first and Mm -hmm. very soon again um but those those bouncy chairs like ah! <laughs> you, you just need a break sometimes it's like sure i'll hold yeah. you through, through the night um, yeah i'll burp you as much as you want is it
1: the baby bjorn bouncer i,
0: I think so i don't i don't know okay you, you know all the brains they yeah just kinda... yeah yeah and uh yeah, um, yeah, couldn't couldn't do it without something like that right now
1: with a toddler i would honestly have to say the tv i know that makes me a trash parent but my pediatrician said hey in moderation that's totally fine you can't go you can't go too far and only let them watch TV. But if you never let them watch TV, they're going to become obsessed with watching TV. Uh, so I would say the TV occasionally. Uh, Popping on an episode of Bubble Guppies on Nick Jr. Uh, shout out to Nickelodeon. Yeah. Uh, Theo loves Bubble Guppies. He will ask for bubbles. And it gives me 25 minutes I need to, like, get his dinner ready or, like, You know clean the kitchen like pick up his toys like anything that i get to help me do a better job as a mom i'm gonna take for sure i just yeah we
0: can't cut our son's nails unless we have the tv on
1: (laughs) wait are you supposed to cut them
0: (laughs) aaron i i so appreciate your friendship and just you taking the time for this conversation um before we wrap up is there any parting words that you'd like to share
1: Um, thank you, Tim, for having me on today. Um, I joked when we were off mic, but now I'll say it again. Only a man would be able to use his paternity time to start a podcast uh I can't imagine having the time to do that. I'm also a lazy person, but I I love that you are exploring these questions, I love that you're having people from such diverse backgrounds on to talk about it. I think we all have so many different experiences that are unique, but there's so much shared experience um in having kids and having kids during a pandemic. I feel like we are all part of a tribe that um I, did I, that. You know, we've just all collectively learned so much from this and been challenged in so many ways that it's kind of a really unique position to be in, especially being parents of younger kids that you can't just pop on a Zoom kindergarten call or a you know, high school call. So um, I really appreciate you taking the time to explore these things, and I love how you've always been so interested in social impact and. Um, wanted to explore those topics. So I just appreciate your curiosity and your friendship and your kindness. And your family is lucky to have you. And you're lucky to have them.
0: Well, thank you for those kind words. Let's wrap it there. Thank you so much, Aaron.
1: Sounds good. Thank you, Tim.
0: Thanks for tuning in today. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, review, or share with friends. This podcast is made for and with friends. If you know someone who has an interesting story to tell, including yourself, please check the show notes for ways to reach out. Until next time.